0: Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson podcast on JustTheNews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just The News podcasts. You can go to JustTheNews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, what on earth would prompt a senior CDC scientist? to call the CDC's head of vaccine safety, a pathetic liar. Thanks purely to happenstance, I received a single document that somebody else received as a result of a Freedom of Information Act request. The single document that was passed along to me brings up An old story that's still extremely relevant to today and gives us a good excuse to go over this information, a lot of which I'll bet you've never heard before. And this document shows just how nasty things got behind closed doors after a very experienced and well-respected CDC senior scientist confessed to covering up a link between vaccines and autism and implicated his CDC colleagues. We'll go over details of that in just a moment. It's something that happened a few years ago. But the new evidence of how nasty things got comes in the form of an internal email. That's the subject of our discussion today. It should go without saying that nothing that is said in this podcast should be construed as being anti-vaccine, or for that matter, pro-vaccine, or taking any position one way or the other on vaccines, although that's often how information that's reported fairly on this topic is falsely portrayed by a really powerful propaganda effort that I discovered when I first was assigned to cover these stories in about the early 2000 time period as an investigative reporter for CBS News. And I started these assignments much as maybe you or a lot of people not knowing anything about vaccines and quite frankly thinking that any discussion about side effects and problems and brain disorders and things that i kind of heard as an aside thinking that that was all conspiracy theory and crazy talk because i didn't really understand the medical aspects or the biological plausibility of these series and beliefs as to what vaccines could sometimes cause um, in people children and adults alike so this was all new to me and i did a great deal of reading Over the course of a decade, in fact, I didn't do my first story about vaccine safety when it comes to these questions until I had looked into it for a year, reading peer-reviewed published studies, making contacts with inside government sources who had proved to be accurate on other stories, and really my eyes were open. There was a whole world and a rabbit hole that I didn't expect. And since then, of course, those of us who report factually on vaccine safety issues, are falsely portrayed through this propaganda effort many times as being anti-vaccine. Not that it's anybody's business, I'm fully vaccinated and then some due to my travels with the military, my child's fully vaccinated. Of course this has nothing to do with being pro or anti-vaccine, this has to do with alleged government corruption, um, medical controversies, and reporting on this is no more unpatriotic or anti-vaccine than When I report on any product, I'm not anti-tire simply because I report on tire safety issues. I think tires, when they're built properly and on the right car, are a good thing. But it doesn't mean some tires don't have problems. Same with medicine. Medicine does a great deal of good, as do some vaccines, for many people. But vaccines and other medicines have been pulled off the market for safety reasons. And some of the companies that make them have been found guilty of criminal fraud for misrepresenting medical products and doing other mischief. So this is, to me, like any other story about alleged corporate or government fraud. It doesn't mean any or all of a product is bad for everybody. Well we also know factually that no vaccine or other medicine is considered 100% safe and effective for everybody. That's why there are warning labels on them and disclosures and why CDC, for example, recommends some people not get certain vaccines and so on. But the interests who do not want this topic to be reported on fairly and accurately, I have learned, are so powerful and pervasive within our federal government and even within our political figures and the donations they make to members of Congress and the ads they buy in the media, all kinds of ways they exert influence You don't hear a lot about really important stories that are going on when it comes to medicines and vaccines, in my view. So the email that was recently given to me that somebody else got kind of unexpectedly, they were looking for something else, but they received this email in response to their Freedom of Information Act request. It's dated September 2nd, 2018. And the email was written by a man named Dr. William or Bill Thompson, a CDC senior scientist. And the email was written to a big CDC official, Dr. Frank DiStefano. DiStefano is head of CDC's Immunization Safety, so he is the vaccine guy. In the email, Dr. Thompson is responding to an interview that Dr. DiStefano gave me back in 2014. Why was I interviewing DiStefano? And this was an audio-only interview that I posted online but this was after Dr. Thompson had stunned the scientific community in 2014 by saying that he, as a CDC senior scientist, and that Stefano, his colleague, and that other CDC scientists committed fraud in a major vaccine autism study. Let me repeat that in case you didn't hear the news when it happened because it was controversialized and, of course, the propagandists got very busy when this came out trying to make People think this was untrue or or debunked, but a CDC senior scientist who still works there today admitted to scientific fraud cover-up in vaccine autism studies and accused his CDC colleagues of being part of this. According to Dr. Thompson, he and his fellow scientists covered up a link between the MMR vaccine, that's the vaccine for measles, mumps, rubella, and autism in African-American boys. That's the population that was looked at specifically or one of the populations in the study in question. Dr. Thompson would later testify when this all came out, quote, the omitted data, in other words, the data they, the scientists, omitted, suggested that African-American males who received the MMR vaccine before age 36 months were at increased risk for autism. So again, he's saying that toddlers who received the MMR vaccine before age three showed that they were at increased risk for autism, according to a CDC study, but this was not reported in the study results. As part of the alleged fraud and cover-up, Dr. Thompson said that he and the other CDC scientists on the study who conducted the research got together and literally trashed study data. Now, why did all of this come to light? Well, Dr. Thompson first revealed his role in the fraud, not because he stepped forward and suddenly decided he had to speak about it, but he had spoken privately about it during a series of phone conversations he had with a parent of an autistic child. A little bit of the backstory, this parent who believed that his child, as many parents believe, got autism as a result of vaccination had done a lot of research, had actually reached Dr. Thompson at CDC, developed a phone relationship with him, and through the course of these discussions, Dr. Thompson confessed to a lot of things, and the parent surreptitiously recorded the phone calls, thinking they were extremely important in the vaccine autism debate. In the calls, some of which you can hear in the documentary, Vaxed, again, a documentary that has been controversialized, on behalf of pharmaceutical interests, but it deals with this, and you can hear some of the recordings with Dr. Thompson, who said he was living with tremendous guilt over what he and his colleagues had done, according to him. When the parent made the recordings public, it forced Dr. Thompson pretty much to make a statement and to come forward. And a lot of people thought, especially parents of autistic children who've been trying to expose this issue, Finally, an insider is stepping forward and admitting to some of the things that they felt they knew all along. Here's a senior scientist saying firsthand what he and his colleagues had done. They thought this would just break the story wide open. Thompson admitted to scientific fraud and issued a statement through his attorney. Part of the statement said, quote, I regret that my co-authors and I omitted statistically significant information. And he described how he says he and his CDC colleagues had the meeting where they literally threw documents from the research they wanted to squelch into a garbage can. Let me read you just that little bit of Dr. Thompson's testimony. He says, quote, The co-authors scheduled a meeting to destroy documents related to the study. The remaining four co-authors all met and brought a big garbage can into the meeting room and reviewed And went through all the hard copy documents that we had thought we should discard and put them in a huge garbage can. However, Dr. Thompson says, because I assumed it was illegal and would violate both Freedom of Information Act and Department of Justice requests, I kept hard copies of all documents in my office and I retained all associated computer files. So here's Dr. Thompson saying he saved the evidence. And by the way, as people have come forward to try to spin this, as the propagandists have come forward and tried to say there is legitimate reason for changing the study and changing the data, one need only ask oneself, is it part of the scientific method? Is it an accepted part of a study that you would trash data and throw it in a garbage can? Whatever other defense can be made, this act alone, if it happened, I think, belies the notion that this is some sort of normal scientific procedure. Well, CDC, by the way, would not permit Dr. Thompson to do media interviews after this came to light in 2014 after he blew the whistle and wouldn't let him testify in court when there were some important cases regarding vaccines and autism where people wanted his testimony. So back to that interview with me in 2014. That Dr. DiStefano of CDC, remember he's the head of immunization safety, the interview that he did with me, again he was a co-author with Dr. Thompson on the question study, well Dr. Stefano defended the CDC's vaccine autism research and the decisions they made in that study, but I asked him in the interview on the phone if he was aware of Thompson's concerns, the things that Thompson was saying publicly now, if Stefano was aware of them prior to them being revealed publicly. I'm going to play for you a bit, an excerpt of my interview with Dr. Frank DeStefano, where I'm asking that question. Dr. Stefano is going to start by giving me his interpretation of what Dr. Thompson was saying was wrong with their study on vaccines and autism.
1: An association among the birth certificate sample. And I mean, what I'd say to that, I think we discussed that. Uh, as I recall, this was like, you know, over 10 years ago. And uh, at the time we had consensus among all co-authors that the birth certificate sample
2: provided the more valid results because it could...
1: Uh, it had more complete information on, uh, on race, for one, and secondly, and more importantly, it had information on important factors that uh, had to you know, should be controlled for, particularly in studies of autism, and in particular, those would be things like birth weight, mother's age, and mother's education. So I think for those reasons, we were able to adjust those factors, and we thought, you know, we, um, our opinion was that the results from the birth certificate sample provided the more reliable results. And I think, you know, as I recall, we all came to consensus and uh, signed off on that uh, in the
0: paper. To explain that a little bit, basically, after they had gathered their data on the study, these scientists decided to change the way they were reporting the results. And according to all the scientists I spoke to, this is not something that's scientific that you can do for obvious reasons. You're supposed to set the parameters of a study prior to the study for the very reason of you don't want to bias it by getting data and then changing the terms of the study and how you report it and how you measure it and so on, which is exactly what they did. Dr. Stefano is saying, well, they did it because they felt like this was, in the end, a more accurate thing to do. Dr. Thompson alleges They did this specifically to erase a very statistically significant association between the MMR vaccine and autism in specifically African American boys in their sample. So next, now I'm asking Dr. DiStefano after his explanation, if he was aware of Dr. Thompson's concerns.
3: Are you aware of any of his concerns of, you know, have you been aware before today of any of his concerns about this?
1: Frequently, and uh, uh, no, I wasn't
3: aware of this. So, when whoever he raised his concerns to, he didn't he didn't raise it to you or anybody you knew of? No, I mean, the last time I saw him was
1: probably about two months ago, and he didn't
3: mention anything about this. And at the time, he didn't seem concerned. Like you said, there was a consensus. Uh, I mean, at the time, he did these analyses, he did,
1: you know, he did point out that in one group, you know, in that larger group, the, the, the measures of association were higher than in the uh, birth certificate group, and, and you know, we discussed that and for the reasons I mentioned, uh, we came to consensus that the uh,
0: birth certificate uh, results were more valid. Again, I know this is complicated, and I'm trying not to go too deep without explaining because once you've been immersed in this for so long, it's easy to remember that this is introductory material for a lot of people mostly because the press has not fairly and accurately reported on this, so you've probably heard a lot of disinformation and misinformation. But in any event, the reason I'm bringing up that interview that I did with Stefano of CDC, of vaccine safety, from several years ago, where he's giving his side after Dr. William Thompson stepped forward to publicly say that CDC, he and his CDC colleagues had committed scientific fraud covering up a vaccine autism link. The reason I'm going over this is because Dr. Thompson apparently didn't hear this interview at the time, but he apparently heard or read a transcript of this recorded interview with his colleague DiStefano four years later in 2018, and thus the email we're talking about today because the email that I have is one that Dr. Thompson fired off after he heard or read the interview with DiStefano. And the subject of the email from Dr. Thompson was titled, Your Dishonest Behavior, Trying to Portray Us as Friends. And the email that Thompson sent included the link to my interview with DiStefano and the transcript, the selected transcript, including what I just played for you. And Dr. Thompson wrote, Frank, that's Dr. DiStefano, the CDC gave you the opportunity to interview with CNN, but they wouldn't give me that same opportunity. Maybe he's thinking there that I worked for CNN. I used to work there, and I used to work for CBS, but at the time of this interview, I was independent. In any event, He says, Frank, the CDC gave you the opportunity to interview with CNN, but they wouldn't give me that same opportunity. You are a pathetic liar. If your friends did what you did to me, I feel very, very sorry for you and them, Bill. So to hear a senior scientist, a current senior scientist at CDC, who's responsible for doing a lot of research, very important research on vaccines and autism, To see that he has in writing called the head of CDC's immunization a pathetic liar is pretty eye-opening. Not only that, Dr. Thompson copied some other CDC figures on this email, and they include Colleen Boyle. She was CDC's director of the National Center on Birth Defects and Disabilities. He copied Anne Shuchat. Who is cdc's principal deputy director big muckety-muck there big figure on the vaccine autism issue he copied joanne kono cdc's chief science and medical officer in the office of science and sudevi Ghosh, who i found listed online as a senior cdc attorney more on alleged government cover-ups on the vaccine autism issue after a short break
1: Tasks, deadlines, and projects. What if your teams had a tool that brought everything together? Trello is the project management tool that powers collaboration for over 2 million teams across the globe, including 80% of Fortune 500s. Trello brings teams together by tracking daily to-dos and provides a high-level view across projects and teams. From product development and design to support and production, Trello helps all teams move their work forward together. Thousands of IT admins around the world trust Trello to keep their work safe. With Trello, your teams will have access to hundreds of top-tier integrations they can rely on. A big reason why Trello is top-rated for employee satisfaction. It's where companies do their best work. Trello for enterprise. Learn more by Visiting trello.com slash for enterprise. That's T R E L L O.com slash for enterprise.
0: We're back and we are talking about the alleged government cover up regarding a vaccine autism study, vaccine autism research. But I want to use an analogy and bring it around to COVID 19. And the Wuhan lab theory, because I think this may help you relate to the idea of a possible pattern when it comes to public health figures and some of their behavior. Again, not to say that all of the information that's put out by our public health officials is not to be believed, but I think this helps explain the skepticism on the part of some when you can see perhaps a pattern. Because when you look at the COVID lab theory, this was something that was controversialized early on, much like the vaccine autism issue, whereby you could sum up the narrative as, we don't know where COVID-19 came from, but we know it didn't come from the Wuhan lab. And when people asked that very logical question or wanted to explore whether it might have come from the lab, they were controversialized and smeared and told that that was debunked. And of course, none of that was true. It had not been debunked and in fact, in my investigation, which I have posted at com, I found and I posit that it was actually the prevailing theory among a lot of scientists in the know who were working on this. They just couldn't say so publicly or were afraid to say so publicly because they would be so controversialized. Well, much like the vaccine autism case, as I started learning more about this controversy, I realized here were some of these same figures saying we don't know what's caused the autism epidemic to spike but we know it's not vaccines when in fact there are many scientists and medical professionals and doctors who do believe that vaccines are at least partly responsible for the epidemic but they're not allowed to discuss it or if they happen to research it and their research falls in that direction and they publish it they are controversialized they are smeared Sometimes they are punished by their institutions. They are told that they'll never get another federal grant. That's where their money comes from. So I see similarities. And this may be why you probably haven't heard much unless you watch my TV program, Full Measure, or read my reporting about another extremely important development that happened in this story that, again, the media chose not to report and the propagandists got very busy, even though... This is very hard to try to debunk, but people try to smear and controversialize and debunk it. And that is about the same time that Dr. William Thompson was firing off his pathetic liar email to the head of immunization at CDC. Pretty strong stuff there. About the same time, another of the government's top pro-vaccine medical experts signed a sworn statement also alleging a government cover-up Of links between vaccines and autism. This expert is Dr. Andrew Zimmerman of Johns Hopkins, a world renowned pro-vaccine pediatric neurologist specializing in autism. And by way of background, this was the government's chosen witness, the Department of Justice's chosen witness to defend vaccine companies and vaccine injuries in court. The Department of Justice is the one that's tasked with defending the cases for the vaccine companies when there are patients who claim vaccine injuries. These are all held, these trials or these hearings in special federal vaccine court that most people know nothing about. And by the way, there are billions of dollars in damages that have been paid since this court was created that protects the vaccine makers from liability. It's you and I who pay the damages through a tax or a fee, I guess you could call it, that goes into a trust fund on every vaccine we get. So for every dose of a vaccine, at one point, I believe it was 25 cents goes into this trust fund that pays vaccine injured children and other patients in these cases that are decided in this special vaccine court. Well, Dr. Zimmerman was the Department of Justice's chosen pro-vaccine witness, the one who would go into court and testify that Vaccines can't cause autism because that was one of the big questions. The government would pay on brain injury cases and other injuries, but not if the brain injury was called autism specifically. And those cases started cropping up in huge numbers after the late 90s or so when we had this autism epidemic So Dr. Zimmerman was the key witness that the government relied upon to tell the court that vaccines can't cause autism. And that's why his testimony here is so important and really should have made global headlines but didn't because he issued a sworn statement in late 2018 that said as an expert witness for the government defending vaccines back in 2007, Dr. Zimmerman says he told the government that vaccines can cause autism in exceptional cases after all. Dr. Zimmerman says that he concluded that after learning about new science that was developing on this issue. He also says he had personal experience with some of his own patients where vaccines had caused autism. And he did not conclude that every case of autism was from vaccination But he said he wanted to notify the Department of Justice lawyers about his findings that it can happen because he didn't want them to represent him in every case in vaccine court as being of the opinion that it can never happen. So he wanted to let them know, don't misrepresent what my findings are. I now have concluded that this can happen. This was huge because this was at a time when publicly the government and CDC and other public health officials were telling parents that vaccines can't cause autism, and were telling the media that these parents were nutcases. I was told that by a CDC person off camera, that, you know, this was ridiculous. But here, their own top medical expert is saying it can happen. This stood to change everything about the vaccine-autism debate and all of these cases going through court. So what happens Well, according to Dr. Zimmerman in his sworn affidavit that he filed in late 2018, the Department of Justice fired him as an expert witness. So instead of taking his information to heart and understanding that this really changed everything they had been saying about the vaccine autism debate, Dr. Zimmerman says they misrepresented his opinion in court. They literally went into court the following Monday or Tuesday, according to Dr. Zimmerman after they fired him and told the court that he was of the opinion that vaccines cannot cause autism, something he specifically told them not to say. He had said the very opposite. And about the same time, by the way, the Department of Justice secretly settled a huge vaccine autism court case paying the parents a court case that Zimmerman had consulted on for them admitting liability, saying that vaccines did cause this child's autism, but they made sure that the records to this case were sealed. So they're paying behind the scenes, but publicly telling other parents of vaccine-injured children that links to autism were debunked conspiracy theories. So now I've told you about two medical doctors who worked for the government, who are experts in this area, both of whom have said that There was some element of cover-up and or fraud on the part of the government to try to make sure the public and parents didn't know about what they saw as vaccine-autism links. Dr. Thompson has remained at CDC since he revealed the agency's alleged scientific fraud, and again, for those who've tried to debunk Dr. Thompson... It's kind of hard to effectively say he doesn't know what he's talking about or he's sort of off the reservation when he's still employed at CDC. It's not as though CDC fired him and said he didn't know what he's talking about. He still works there. Well, you might think something that affects potentially millions of families and could impact vaccine policy in this country. Not that most people think vaccines should be eliminated or that children shouldn't get vaccinated. But many scientists I've spoken to over the years, including the former head of the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Bernadine Healy, feel like there are ways to make our vaccine program safer and that it should be as safe as possible. It should continually be improved as medical science makes it possible for us to make things safer. And only by admitting that there are these possible safety issues can you make the program safer and build more public confidence in vaccination. So a lot of people think it's very pro-vaccine to address the safety issues. But with this impacting so many people in the vaccine autism debate, you might think that members of Congress would have been interested in this whistleblower, this insider at CDC, Dr. Thompson, talking about scientific fraud by a premier public health agency, actually the premier public health agency in the whole world. Well, Congress wasn't really very interested in what Dr. Thompson had to say. And neither was the news media for reasons, largely, I think, that I've spoken about and written about before when it comes to special interests that control our information landscape. And you may already know that, gosh, some years ago, we knew that there were two pharmaceutical industry lobbyists for every member of Congress on Capitol Hill. Maybe it's more than that now. And the pharmaceutical industry makes huge contributions to members of Congress and can largely call the shots on what hearings are and are not held. And again, I documented that with members of Congress, both Democrats and Republicans, speaking to me in a story for full measure where they talked about this, how both parties make sure that these issues are not explored because they're allegedly working at the behest of the pharmaceutical and vaccine industry. And that helps explain why, even though this is one of the most impactful and important issues of our time when we're talking about vaccines and vaccine safety, you won't have hearings on this in general. And there have been hearings scheduled but then canceled at the last minute because, again, as I've documented and reported, powerful interests at the top of the political parties make sure these hearings don't happen. Well, Dr. Thompson captured the interest of one congressman only, someone who wasn't powerful enough to get a hearing called. It's Congressman Bill Posey, a Republican of Florida. And Posey, as hard as he tried, says he was unable to convince his colleagues to investigate these explosive and important allegations or schedule hearings about them. The most he could do, he ended up reading a statement from Dr. Thompson on the House floor. And that's about all she wrote. That's about all that came of it. Another interesting issue. I couldn't find another case where the author of a scientific peer reviewed article publicly said he committed fraud in the research that was published, that he and his colleagues did, and provided a lot of detail and a sworn statement and original documents. And while that may be unprecedented, the journal that published the study normally there would be an errata, a correction, a retraction. This would seem to call for some sort of very important explanation, caveat, I think probably a retraction in normal neutral circumstances. Well, pediatrics did nothing, and I was really surprised. I contacted pediatrics when this was all happening, and I asked them, did they consider retracting the article? What were their intentions? And they issued a statement to me that said the following quote, As a publisher, we take very seriously any questions about articles in our journal and have a set procedure to investigate such issues. We have followed that process, discussed the research methods with the authors, and have determined to take no action regarding the article. Well, that's a little misleading because while they said we have discussed the research methods with the authors, they didn't talk to Dr. Thompson, at least according to Dr. Thompson, so they basically talked to the co-authors who were accused of the alleged scientific fraud but didn't talk to the key author who exposed the alleged fraud and yet then concluded they should do nothing about the paper. Anyway, the sworn statement that Dr. Thompson provided to Congressman Posey's office, along with all of the documents, by the way, Thompson said that he led or co-led three major vaccine safety studies after concerns were originally raised about MMR vaccine and possible links to autism. He said that the CDC hypothesized back then that if they found statistically significant effects from MMR vaccine in children at either 18 or 36 months, quote, we would conclude that vaccinating children early with MMR vaccine could lead to autism-like characteristics or features. So this is what they decided upon, he says, in advance, that if they found statistically significant effects, they would issue a public statement or a conclusion connecting MMR vaccine to autism. That is huge. That is the very thing the government has worked very hard for years, and the vaccine industry has worked very hard for years not to have happen. But he says when CDC actually found a huge, in his words, huge Statistically significant result, he and his co-authors met and decided not to report it. Soon after, this is when Dr. Thompson says they all scheduled a meeting to destroy documents related to this study. And this is where he says that the CDC co-authors, quote, brought a big garbage can into the meeting room and reviewed and went through all the hard copy documents that we had thought we should discard and put them in a huge garbage can. And again, to reiterate, Thompson said because he assumed it was illegal and would violate FOIA, Freedom of Information Law, and Department of Justice requests, he kept hard copies of all documents in his office and retained all associated computer files. One more important footnote, as you hear people falsely claim that vaccine autism links have been debunked and are conspiracy theories, As I mentioned, I've just told you about two government insiders, government experts, medical doctors who themselves have said there are links between vaccines and autism, that there was a government cover-up, two separate distinct cases. But even Dr. DiStefano, the CDC Director of Immunization Safety, the one that Dr. Thompson accused of being part of this cover-up, even he acknowledged in that telephone interview with me that vaccines could trigger autism in some children. This is a big admission because, again, nobody says this. And, in fact, if you look at the CDC website, it implies or states the opposite, that this isn't true, that this has been debunked. But just listen to him in his own words. And I ask the question carefully, knowing what court cases have found, including that sealed case, the polling case that I mentioned a little while back, understanding what was admitted in that case that later leaked out to the public and what has been found in other court cases where autism has been paid by the government as the result of a vaccine injury. It made me know how to ask the question a certain way. You'll hear me ask, Dr. DiStefano, whether vaccines and autism and a link between them has indeed been entirely ruled out 100 percent. In case that was hard to hear, he says, I think every hypothesis that's been looked at, the links between vaccines and autism, has been ruled out. Well, it has been ruled out by some, but not by others. And so I continue on. Okay. That's an interesting answer to me. I'm asking if he's saying it's a myth that vaccines and autism are linked. And he says, wouldn't say it's a myth. I'd say, you know, all the evidence thus far points to that there's not a causal association between vaccines and autism. And that's a whole nother discussion, how the word causal is used and what they mean by that but i'm asking next well what about a secondary association because i know from my sources that some inside the government have acknowledged and talked about well vaccines don't cause autism but they trigger autism the difference really being without a distinction to parents if but for the vaccine the child would not have autism but a distinction they feel they can make in defending vaccines by saying there's no causal association. So here I'm asking about a secondary association.
2: that it's not a cause
0: That's a big deal, what he just said, because this is the agency, the chief immunization safety person, adding to what Dr. Thompson has already said, who is being controversialized in the media. But here now is Dr. DiStefano, the head of immunization safety, acknowledging that, specifically with one case I knew about the polling case, that a child who had a whole bunch of, as they call, makeup or catch up vaccines in one doctor's visit, and quite quickly developed autism, that that was something that was related to her vaccination. Dr. DiStefano is saying she had an underlying biological illness that either vaccination or could have been an infection that would trigger some physiological stress, seems to have, he says, could have caused manifestations, characteristics of autism, which appears to be what happened in her case. Important, not just because it happened to one child, but because if it happened to one child, then it's possible it has happened to others. And indeed, as I mentioned, the government has paid or settled many cases in which vaccine injuries resulted in a child's autism, but they typically pay on such a case if the parent is arguing brain damage or a form of brain damage, but not arguing specifically autism, because if they say the A word, typically that case will be thrown out and not compensated. So to continue with Dr. DiStefano, after he makes this admission, I'm asking, does that not mean therefore though, that there is a potential link that by the way, continues to be denied by many people and many in the federal government. I mean,
2: doesn't that, is, isn't that a link? It's not a causal link, but isn't that a potential link between vaccination and autism if certain children with an underlying biological illness can have it triggered through vaccination? And as you call it, a secondary link?
0: in case you couldn't hear that very well, he's saying that is a possibility. So when you hear people talk about, this is another way that some public health officials and some propagandists try to debunk the vaccine autism discussion, they say, well, autism is genetic. But in this way that we've discussed, like many things, There is, scientists believe, a genetic and biological factor to it. Certainly not every child who is vaccinated gets autism. Most people who smoke don't get lung cancer. There are other predispositions that scientists have explained to me can lend an individual to having a certain injury or impact. And in the case of vaccines, there have been scientists for years, including Dr. Bernadine Healy, who have thought we should try to identify what the susceptibilities are in certain children that can be causing them to react with an illness that results in autism and try to fix that. Either vaccinate them slightly differently or fix the vaccinations in a way that they don't have the same impact in these kids, but work to solve the problem so that more kids can be vaccinated as safely as possible rather than not addressing the problem at all so the next part of the interview i'm going to play with dr de stefano i'm asking since he's acknowledged that it's possible that some children may have a predisposition that lends them to have an injury we call autism when they've been vaccinated is it important to try to study to figure out which kids might have the predisposition So here, again, if it's hard to hear, I'm asking, should we not try to study which kids might have a predisposition to injuries from vaccination so that we can figure out how to fix it? And he's basically saying, well, that would be hard to predict, but certainly we can study individual cases to look at the possibility. Again, this belies all the propaganda you hear today where people are saying vaccine-autism links have been debunked and it's tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. We're discussing it here with the head of CDC's vaccine safety, a person who's very pro-vaccine and who, if anything, in my view, based on my experience, wants to minimize the link between vaccines and autism. But he's acknowledging that it could happen and that it apparently did happen in this polling case that we're discussing. So I'm pressing him a little bit more about the idea that it seems to make sense to research what these conditions might be so that we can work on fixing it or at least identifying the particular children that are most likely to potentially be harmed by vaccination versus the rest of the kids who likely won't be
2: About other kids, they don't have that previous but maybe you can identify the ones that would be vulnerable. But I haven't seen that there's any. Is there an area of study trying to do such a thing within CDC or
0: funded by CDC? Right. So I'm asking him Is CDC or NIH looking to figure out what kids have something like the polling child may have had so that we can figure out if they might have ahead of time? the same sort of reaction to vaccination. Here he's saying in sort of a general sense that CDC is looking at factors that could increase autism, but I might add some years ago, uh, there was a directed effort to not look at vaccination. Again, I go back to the Wuhan lab theory, to not ask what seems to be a very logical question, where there are many peer-reviewed published studies and scientists who think there is a link or a potential link, and yet... We've been told over the years and told by public health scientists, well, again, we don't know what's causing this spike, but it can't be vaccines and we shouldn't even study that possibility.
3: I mean, I think to sum up, you're, you're saying what I, what I think is also the case just based on my own research, that while the government has ruled out any known causal link between autism and vaccines, hasn't ruled out the possibility. In fact, there seems to be at least one case where it's acknowledged what I call a secondary link, meaning not causal but uh, triggered. And the result for the parent, you know, may, to them it may be one and the same, and they may be trying to figure out which kids might have that predisposition. Yeah, but, you know, that's very difficult to do
1: because that's almost circular reasoning. You say, you know, kind of, you can't mean, you know, the, the useful thing, for parents for clinically it would be to be able to identify the kids who are going to have. I mean, this, would, this this way we're identifying one certain child after the fact and say, you know, maybe in that one child it was this or that that happened to it. But uh, it's very difficult to make a causal link in, in just one case.
3: Well, but isn't that what you guys are supposed to do, figure it out? That's it. A- as you know, autism is such a huge problem, even if a teeny percentage is perhaps triggered by vaccination, I would think that'd be very, very important to to learn and try to figure
2: out you guys are the best at it. I'm sure somebody there can do it over time. Yeah, I think am saying, you know, i it's, the pathogenesis
1: of autism and the genetics and the biology, and then, and then, then,
0: So I apologize for the poor quality of the interview. What he's saying there when I'm asking, isn't CDC, wouldn't they be trying to figure this out? What are the predispositions in some kids that could result in autism after vaccination? And the part you couldn't hear very well was Dr. DeSefno saying, yes, he says, I think a better understanding of the pathogenesis of autism and the genetics and the biology and the individual cases it would be more feasible to try to establish if vaccines in an individual case. He says, say a person with a certain set of genes, you know, if we ever get to that point, it might be fruitful. Well, I might point out, that's a couple of years ago that I did the interview, and there's no known research that I know of, or at least that's been made public, where the government has funded trying to figure out what it is that kids who have autism after vaccines may have in common so that we can figure out is there's some sort of genetic or biological factor that plays a role in that result. One final note, without getting too far down in the weeds, when I was doing research and had some very good sources a couple years back and I was learning about all of this, we know about one condition that supposedly according to court cases, provides a predisposition for some babies or children to get autism after vaccines, and that's called tuberous sclerosis, which is a genetic disorder that causes these tumors to develop in the body, but particularly in the brain. It was described to me as sort of folds. And there were kids who had undiagnosed tuberous sclerosis, sometimes It's totally unknown that the child has this. It could be tested for, but nobody's testing for it in advance. But theoretically, a test could be developed so that if a child had this, you might vaccinate that child differently or find another alternative or method because according to court cases in vaccine court, the kids with this tuberous sclerosis, when vaccinated, it in some cases made them very, very sick. And made the tuberous sclerosis manifest in a very dangerous way, perhaps much sooner than it otherwise would have or became a more serious case, much sooner than it otherwise would have. And so the theory is if there are other conditions such as something called mitochondrial disorder and other things that babies and children could have that make them susceptible to this kind of a reaction after vaccination, you could work on that problem and adjust the vaccine program or adjust vaccines to make it safer for as many kids as possible so that we keep public confidence in the vaccine safety program. But I fear as one public health official who tried to kind of blow the whistle on this some years ago, I fear that she may be right. She thought if the government continued to deny that there is any possible link, the public by and large, would come to know better or believe better and that that would create a lot of skepticism in public health officials at large, but the vaccine program specifically, and cause more damage to the vaccine program than simply addressing any potential safety issues, which would bring confidence to the vaccine program. I hope this is interesting to you, even if this has not been an issue that you thought was particularly interesting. And I suppose if you've listened this long, then you found something in here compelling. But again, I don't see this as a vaccine autism only issue. I see this as like many stories I've investigated with whistleblowers and allegations of corruption and government coverups and fraud and abuse. And I cover the story much like I've covered every story that has similar characteristics but I will say, the pushback, the propaganda, the control of so many facets of information when it comes to this story, it's really unlike most any other, except perhaps the COVID-19 story. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out justthenews.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Sheryl Atkinson Podcast, my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, and all of the Just the News podcasts wherever you like to listen. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.
4: All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a pillow a few years ago, and all of a sudden, my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. I, it was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new my slippers you want the best slipper ever the best foot experience late at night well mike has got he took over two years to develop this he designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long it's comfortable it's durable it's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper and it's made with quality leather suede they look good they feel good they wear good for a limited time now, Mike is offering fifty percent off his new My Slippers. You will also receive a free book with any purchase. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. It's a great gift, especially heading into springtown So here, here's what you do: you go to mypillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square, and use the promo code Just News. That's easy to remember, right? The promo code Just News, and you will get deep discounts on all the My Pillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. The My Pillow mattress topper, and of course, the My Pillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those My Slippers? You got to have them. They're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 800 951 3715 and use the promo code Just News when someone picks up. Call 800 951 3715, use the promo code Just News. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper, sheet, pillow experience of your life.